Now, but Matthew chapter number 28, and Brother Felt uh, brought Matthew 26 and 27 last week, and uh, just kind of started it out on that idea of building on our faith and, and being confident in what we believe and being able to stand on what we believe. And uh, certainly the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, that is what's most important, that we are sure that we know, that we are sure that we believe. We, we have to believe that first for salvation, uh, but then what those three things, what we commonly refer to them as the gospel, uh, we need to make sure that we hold on to that uh, as we continue on into our life. And so today, again, kind of continuing the same vein as last week, we're going to continue just building on to our faith, continuing to be uh, uh, strengthened in what we believe about what Jesus has done for us uh, in the gospel. Uh, I, I was going back through some, we, we taught on the gospel a few years ago, so I was going back through some notes on that and uh, came across this, uh, this statement that we said in one of the lessons. It said, the fire to do in the Christian life comes from being soaked in the fuel of what has been done. The fire to do in the Christian life comes from being soaked in the fuel of what has been done. Uh, yes, we need the gospel for salvation, first of all. But we need to make sure that we are constantly reminded. We are, we are constantly strengthened in what we know and believe about, about what Jesus has done for us in the gospel in order to continue on serving and following him. Uh, the Bible says Paul calls the gospel the power of God. Not, not something that contains the power, but it is the power of God for salvation, but also for the rest of our lives to follow and serve Jesus. Uh, if you want to, to, to follow Jesus closer, if you want to know Jesus more, uh, then the great, a great place to start is right back at the gospel. What has Jesus done for you? Uh, Jesus died for you. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. Uh, and those being confirmed, being strengthened in your belief and your faith in those things uh, will help you to be closer uh, to Christ. And so we're in Matthew chapter 28. Look at verses 1 through 10. Again, we're familiar with this story. Oops. Um, and so let's just read these verses as we get started this morning, and then we're going to look at one more passage. I do apologize with being at camp. I didn't get a chance to have notes, either digital or paper. So if you've got something to write down on, I'll give you some things to write uh, later on, or if you want to take out some notes on your, on your phone. But Matthew 28, verses number 1. The Bible says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Excuse me. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren 
that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. And so this is obviously the account. And we see this same uh, similar account with some details that uh, are, are maybe not here in Matthew that are told in the other Gospels. But the same account of Jesus rising from the dead uh, that is told. And, and let me tell you, all right, the, the resurrection from uh, the dead of Jesus Christ is the most important part of our Christianity. It is the most important part of our faith. And I think we'll see why here in just a minute. But I just want to start us out by thinking about that. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important part of your faith. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we do not have any ground to stand on. Okay, You cannot build on your faith if you do not have something to stand on in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, We used this last week, this cinder block as something that we're going to stand on and we're going to keep building on this. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For your faith, for your salvation, for your eternal security, for your ability to live and to serve Him on a daily basis, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what you stand on. Uh, and we see that. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to spend most of our time in Matthew 28 and 1 Corinthians 15. And here Paul, he's been spending it. It's kind of interesting to me. Uh, but when you think about it, it makes sense. So Paul, if you know anything about 1 Corinthians, Paul has spent the majority of the time in 1 Corinthians. Of course, the Holy Spirit's inspired him to write this. He spends a lot of time correcting things. The, for the Corinthian church, the people at Corinth, they were messed up. Uh, they were doing all kinds of crazy things with the Lord's Supper and allowing uh, 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 adultery and promiscuity into the church. And, and it was just, just a mess. And so Paul had to address a lot of that for much of 1 Corinthians. But when we get here to 1 Corinthians 15, so Paul's kind of taking a turn towards the end of the, end of the book, as was his custom. He would spend a lot of time instructing or correcting, and now he's going to make things very practical toward the end of the book. And 1 Corinthians 15, we commonly know this as the chapter that gives to us, in a nutshell, the gospel. And I believe that Paul wants to, and of course the Holy Spirit's inspiring this, but I believe that this is important because if the Corinthian church, if the people at Corinth are going to, first of all, change what they were doing, if they were going to repent of their sin and follow Christ and serve God the way that they needed to, then they needed something to stand on. And they needed to make sure that it was the gospel, the resurrection, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Paul makes sure that it's very clear. He makes sure that it's very clear to them, this is what you need to believe and this is what you need to stand on. So look at 1 Corinthians 15. The Bible says in verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Wherein ye stand. You stand on this, people of Corinth. By which also ye are saved, verse 2, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me, Paul, 
also as of one born out of due time. And so Paul is declaring to the people of Corinth the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because he says that's what you stand on. That is the cornerstone. That is the bedrock. That is the foundation of your faith. And let me say to you, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of your faith. It is what you stand on. Knowing that Jesus came, that he died, that he was buried, and that he is alive again today is what you have to stand on in order to be saved, but in order to live this Christian life as well. So let's pray, and then we'll get into the rest of this lesson. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for uh, Lord, continuing to bless us, giving us this opportunity to be here in your house today. Lord, I thank you for these believers that are gathered together. Lord, I pray that you would please help our minds and our hearts to be looking to you. Jesus, we need to hear a word from you. Uh, we don't need to hear one from me. We don't need to hear one from opinion or conjecture or, or, or man's teaching. God, we need to hear from you today. We need to be strengthened in our faith. We need to be challenged, uh, Lord, in our, in our commitment. And God, I pray that you would please work in our hearts. I pray that you'd please give us a new appreciation and, and just, just build up our faith and uh, our belief in the resurrection of Jesus. God, I pray that you'd please be glorified in the service that will follow through the music, through the preaching, that all of it would be done to lift up your name. We love you and we ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, let me say this to you, okay, again, from this idea that the gospel and specifically the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what we stand on, you can... You cannot hear the gospel enough. And, and for those of us especially that have grown up in church and those of us that have been around it for most of our lives and those of us that have heard it from you know, being in the nursery all the way through to wherever we are now, it can become white noise. Don't let the gospel become white noise to you. Don't let the gospel become static. Don't let the gospel become like Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 death and burial and resurrection. And we hear it all the time. Don't let it become that. You need to hear the gospel over and over again. You say, I'm already saved. I heard it when I was a, a child or a teenager, and, and I trusted it for salvation. Over and over and over again. Paul says it here to the people of Corinth. He says, I declare it unto you. He says, I declare it unto you. These were, these were saved people he's talking to. They've already heard the gospel. They've already trusted the gospel. But Paul says, I declare it unto you. He says, I'm not going to speak it to you. I'm going to declare it to you. It's a, it's a declaration. I declare the gospel, Paul says. He says, I, I'm going to put it on a banner. I'm going to put it on a road sign. I'm going to put it uh, uh, in neon lights. I want you to know the gospel. I declare it. He says in verse number uh, um, uh, verse number one, I declare unto the gospel, which I preached unto you. He says, I, I already preached this to you guys. I already, I already told you this when I was back in Corinth the first time. You heard me preach this. You believed it. He says, let me reiterate it to you. Let me repeat it to you. Let me declare it unto you. I, I declare it. I preached it. He said, you've received it. You've received it there in verse number one. You stand on it. You know you're saved by it. Listen, don't ever lose sight of the gospel. Don't ever lose sight of the gospel. There, there may be times in your life where you don't know when, it's, when the storms of life are raging and difficulties are abounding 
and you're trying to figure out which way to turn, and you're trying to figure out what the answers to the questions, you, you're trying to figure out what the questions are. You can't figure any of that out. When you get to that time when you don't know what is up and what is down and what is left or what is right, can I just encourage you to just stand on the gospel? Know that Jesus died for you. Know that Jesus was buried for you. Know that Jesus... If you can't believe anything else about your Christian faith or you're not sure about anything else, be sure of that. Be sure of that. Know the gospel. Be sure of the gospel. And, and again, there may be times where we have to just... When, when everything is going on all around us, and, and, and things are falling apart at school and things are falling apart at home and things are falling apart at work or, or it's just so confusing that we have absolutely no idea where we're going to go. And there may be some times where the only thing that we're sure of is at least I'm saved. At least I know that I'm going to heaven someday. And that, and that is okay. You get to that point where you're saying, God, I have absolutely no idea what you're going to do for with me. I have absolutely no idea what you want me to do. I have absolutely no idea where you want me to go. I have absolutely no idea what the next part of my life is going to hold. I don't know what you're doing right now, God. I'm just going to trust the fact that I'm saved and I'm your child. And allow that, that faith, that confidence, that, that you're standing on the gospel of what Jesus did for you to just be the foundation, the bedrock to allow your faith to grow. But let me say this. You've not experienced the true and full power of the gospel, the power of God, when it only when you're only trusting it for eternal salvation. You've not experienced the full power of the gospel of what Jesus has done for you if the only thing that you're standing on it for is I've got a home in heaven one day. And that's great, and that's important. That's where you've got to start. But if the only thing that you're when you think about the gospel is, oh yeah, that's, that's how I'm going to heaven someday. If that's the only thing that you're standing on the gospel for, you've not experienced the power of God in your life. Let me say this. The gospel is so much... The gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, His resurrection is so much more than just a ticket to heaven. It's so much more than just... Oh, okay, sins are gone, wonderful. I'm going to heaven someday, don't have to worry about anything more. No tears, no pain, no death. Awesome! No, that's so, it's so much more, and that's a wonderful part of it. Absolutely. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness when, when we lose someone that we know that we'll see them again if they have trusted Christ. Uh, thank goodness that we know that, again, in spite of everything that might be going on in this world, we have hope one day. But listen, the power of the gospel is so much more than just eternity. And can I also say this, okay? The gospel is so much more than just our eternity. It's so much more than just our eternity. We, when we think about the gospel, we think about what Jesus has done for us, and we, we think, oh yes, Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose again. Thank goodness he took away my sins, and now I'm going to get to go to heaven someday. My eternity is settled. No, no, no. The gospel is so much more than just your eternity. It's so much more than just my eternity. It is an opportunity for every single person on the face of the earth to know Christ. The gospel is so much more than just our eternity. So, 
as we think about the gospel. Again, kind of bringing in some of the things that we talked about last week and continuing forward to stand on the gospel, to build on our faith and stand on the gospel. What do we know? What can we know? What can we know? Well, first of all, Jesus really did die. We can know that. And we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I delivered unto you, Paul says, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. We can know, according to the scriptures, we can know that Jesus died. We can know that. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, we know that Jesus died. Jesus was a real man. Jesus was a real person that lived on this earth. And Jesus was really taken through a monkey court system and tried, found guilty of death that he was unworthy of. Jesus really was brought before Pontius Pilate. Jesus really was tortured and, and, and beaten beyond belief. Jesus really was nailed to a cross. Jesus really did endure un, unbelievable suffering. Jesus really did die. We can know that. Uh, we, we have the historical record of the actual event. And more than, and certainly scripture should be enough, but if you need evidence beyond that, there is historical evidence that Jesus really did live and Jesus really did die. We have the fulfillment of scripture. That, that verse says, He died according to the scripture. So there, there's, there's, there's scriptural fulfillment. We see that in Psalm 22. We see that in Isaiah 55, where, where years before, hundreds of years before, writers that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote about this method of death on a cross that hadn't even been invented yet. It didn't exist. And yet they wrote about how Jesus would die, and Jesus fulfilled that. We know that Jesus really did die. We know that. He really did die. We can know that Jesus really was buried. We know that Jesus really was buried. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 4. And that he was buried. So we know that. And again, it's important. Don't, don't skip over the fact that Jesus was buried. Okay? Yeah, we, we focus on the cross, and absolutely we should focus on the cross. And thank goodness for the cross. We're going to sing about the cross in the service this morning. Thank God for the cross. And we focus on the resurrection. And absolutely thank God for the resurrection. We'll talk about that in just a second. But in order to go from the cross to a resurrection, you've got to be buried. That's important. Jesus really was Buried. It's an important part of the story. Uh, again, we find that there are there is proof that Jesus was buried. He really was buried. Uh, uh, we mentioned it a little bit last week, but the length that the religious leaders and the government of the day went to ensure that Jesus stayed buried. If this was some guy that we were just throwing in a grave and we're not worried about, why? Why, why roll a huge stone, which certainly was a part of it, why put a seal on the door? I mean, like, like, like a, a band, and a, a metal band on the door to make sure nobody gets in, nobody gets out. Uh, why put soldiers? How many of you, and certainly there are, there are you know, monuments in Washington that are guarded by soldiers, the, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and those that guard that. Um, can I tell you, they're not guarding it because they're afraid somebody's getting out. Uh, 
Where, where have you ever seen at some cemetery soldiers marching around a grave? Stand and watch. No. This, this proves to us that Jesus really was buried. Look at Matthew 27, verse number 62. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last heir shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulchral sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So they, made, they went to so much effort beforehand to make sure that Jesus was buried. And then, this is what gets me, uh, then you want to know why? Well, look at Matthew 28. Because afterwards, after Jesus does rise from the dead, and we read it just a minute ago, the soldiers that were guarding, they saw the bright light and the earthquake and the angel, and they fainted and like they were dead. And afterwards, they went and told the chief priests what had happened. And you've got, there's accounts in uh, other parts of the Bible and in Acts of those that allowed someone to escape, soldiers that were guarding that were supposed to allow someone to escape, or that, that, that were not supposed to allow someone to escape and did, who lost their lives. So these guys were at, Huge risk for what was about to happen. And they went and told the chief priests. Look at verse number 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. Those are brave guys. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. Saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. That's, that's not good, guys. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. We know that Jesus was buried because the religious leaders went to a whole lot of trouble, first of all, to make sure that he was buried, and then after he does rise, to try to convince people that he still was buried. We know that Jesus was died. Uh, Jesus was died. Jesus really did die. Jesus really was buried. And then, of course, lastly, we know that Jesus really is alive. Jesus really is alive. And we read that in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 again. Look there. Verse number 4. Now he was buried, and then he rose again the third day, again, according to the Scriptures, the fulfillment of Scriptures. And then he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain in this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James. Then of all the apostles, last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. We see and know that Jesus really is alive. That, that verse said that he was risen again according to the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 68 verse 18 says, Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts from men, yea, for the rebellious also that the Lord God might dwell among them. Jesus really was alive. That verse says that there was many people who saw him. Ten different accounts where multiple people saw, different people saw Jesus alive after he was dead and buried. Peter saw him. Uh, John saw him. Uh, Mary saw him. The disciples together saw him. A gathering of 500 people at one time saw him. Now, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, witnesses shall, shall things be established. 
Jesus said, let me take that to an extreme level and let me appear to 500 people to prove to you that I am alive. And then Paul, Paul himself, the writer, says, I can stand on the gospel because I saw Jesus. I know that he is alive. Listen, know that Jesus is alive today. Know that. Just settle in your mind. Don't, don't doubt it. Don't wonder. Don't question. Know that Jesus is alive today because Scripture says so, because there are many, many examples of those who witnessed him being alive because the one who writes this said that he is alive, but because you have experienced as well, know that Jesus is alive. Know that he's alive for your own salvation, obviously, but also for your daily walk. For your daily life with him. Know that he's alive. Stand on that. Stand on the fact that you stand on the fact that you know that Jesus is alive today. Uh, listen, someone else needs to know that from you. You need to stand on the fact that Jesus is alive today because you need to be able to stand on the fact because is alive today. Paul and those others who saw Jesus, they witnessed that so they could declare it to others. Uh, why was Paul so adamant about the gospel? Why was Paul, throughout all of his writings, so uh, 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 just, just making sure that he was going to preach the gospel no matter what? Why? Because he had seen Jesus. He was, he was convinced that he was alive. You know, it's awfully hard to declare with any confidence that someone is alive if you don't know that for sure. It's awfully hard to declare with confidence that someone, especially someone who everybody else thinks is dead, it's awfully hard to say, no, I know that he's alive unless you've seen him. Unless you've witnessed it. You know, uh, there's a, I don't know if any of you have seen this, there's a show, I think it's on History Channel. Um, called Hunting Hitler. Has anybody ever heard or seen that show? Uh, I've watched it a little bit, and uh, it's just a, a show that, that I, I, they, they think that Adolf Hitler escaped from Europe uh, at the end of World War II and went to South America, and so they think they have all this evidence. Uh, but here's the thing. I'm not going to say that Adolf Hitler... I don't think he's still alive today, obviously, but I, I'm not going to say for sure that he, you know, because history tells us and, and what people have typically believed is that he committed suicide before the end of the war in Germany. Uh, I'm not going to declare that to be otherwise. Why? Because I don't know for sure. I've not seen him alive. Uh, I've not seen any evidence that would tell me that he's alive. Uh, but listen, you and evidence, we can know that Jesus is alive today. Jesus is alive. I know he is because I've seen him in my life. I know he is because I've experienced him in my life. I know he is because I felt his touch in my life. I know he is because I've heard his voice in my life. You can stand, stand on the fact that you know that Jesus is alive. So as we think about the gospel, we can know that Jesus really did die. We can know that Jesus really was buried. And we can know that Jesus really was alive. And that needs to be the thing that we stand on. That needs to be the thing that we stand on. Not our own strength, not our own ability, not our, our, our own belief that we can figure something out. No, 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 no. When things fall apart, stand, stand on that. Stand on that, the fact that Jesus is alive. Now, as we, as we look at this, 
I think there are, there's a few other things that we can see in this story that will help confirm to us the fact that Jesus is alive. So look at Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 6. This is the angel talking to the women that came to the tomb. And he says this. Of course, he greets them. They're afraid. He greets them, tells them not to fear. He says, I know you seek Jesus, which was crucified. And then look at verse number six. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Uh, here's the important thing. And this, is, and this is what you and I need to remember, too, as, as we're looking on what and how to stand on our faith. Uh, the, the angel confirmed to the women, uh, confirmed, excuse me, the women's faith by referring them to two things. He said, I want you guys to take notice of two things to confirm your faith that Jesus is alive. Listen, the fulfilled word, he is risen as he said. He said, I want you to remember what Jesus said. He's done what he said he would do. And then secondly, the empty tomb, the evidence. The angel said to the women, ladies, you can stand on the fact that you know that Jesus is alive because he did what he said he would do. And you can come see that there's nothing there. There was evidence. Uh, the same two things can confirm our faith and give us something to stand on as we think about the gospel. The fact that, that God fulfills his word and the fact that there is evidence that Jesus is alive in our life and the lives of those around us. So, uh, quickly, let's think about this fulfilled word. Uh, be encouraged. Listen, and, and certainly we, we, we see Scripture that tells us that for sure. Um, but be encouraged in general that you know that the Word of God, that what you read in Scripture is true. 2 Peter 1.19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, wherein do you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Peter's referring to Scripture, and he says it's a more sure word of prophecy than any eyewitness account that anyone will ever tell you. The fact that you can read in Scripture that Jesus is alive ought to be more impressive to you than if somebody were to come up to you and say, I've seen Jesus alive. Scripture is a more sure word of prophecy. Know that what God says, that's what he has done, that's what he is doing, and that's what he will do. Uh, listen, let me say this too, because I think this is an important part of the story. Know that, what, that God is doing what he said he would do, even if it doesn't look like it. Know that God is doing what he said he would do, even if it doesn't look like it. You think about these ladies that came to the tomb. They're coming to the tomb in the morning, and certainly, whether they thought that they would find the tomb empty or not, I don't know. But they were coming with spices, so it seemed to indicate that they believed Jesus would still be in there. So they were coming to see Jesus in the tomb, in the grave, and when they got there, things did not happen as they thought that they were. Things did not uh, take place like they expected it. Uh, when they got there, and I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us clearly if the earthquake happened when the ladies got there, if it happened when they were on their way, if it happened long before, I don't know. But I have to imagine that as the ladies were approaching their tomb, they were at least seeing the effects of the earthquake. And they were seeing rocks, so, and, and, and we don't really have any earthquakes. I'll never forget one time in New York. New York State, upstate New York. 
we had an earthquake. Had an earthquake. I don't remember anything about it. I think we all thought we were going to die and it barely shook anything. But anyway, but if this was an earthquake enough to make these experienced Roman soldiers, some of the hardest uh, fighting men of the day, to faint and seem like they were dead. You know, uh, let me say this to you. Okay? When God shakes up your life, big things are about to happen. When God sends an earthquake into your life, mark it down, big things are about to happen. These, these ladies, as they come to the tomb to, to just do what they thought they were going to be doing, you know, anointing Jesus and then going back about their daily, daily business, they, they're probably figuring who, who's going to, we know in other gospels, they're wondering who's going to roll away the stone, how are we going to get past these annoying soldiers? And then God sends an earthquake, and that is not how they had that morning drawn up. That was not in the schedule of the day. To go through an earthquake. When God shakes up your life, expect big things to happen. We see that here, because this happens all throughout Scripture. When God sends an earthquake, big things happen. Uh, Jesus is risen after an earthquake. That's a pretty big thing. Paul and Silas get broken out of prison. You remember that? They're singing praises at midnight. God sends an earthquake. I'm sure in the middle of that earthquake, Paul and Silas were thinking, great, we're in jail and now we're going to die because a stinging earthquake is going to drop this thing on us. But God got them out. Um, when God shakes up your life, when God, when God sends an earthquake, big things are about to happen. Will you trust his word enough to keep looking for him? Just like these ladies, uh, when they waited, you know, if it had been me and there had been an earthquake, I'd be gone. I'd be, I'd be hitting the deck, running away. Fine, I'll come back and see Jesus tomorrow. Who cares? But no, these ladies kept going to the tomb. And then the angel was there, and the bright light, and that was one of the reasons why the men were lying as if they were dead on the ground. Uh, you see that? Man, that's, that's strike one and strike two. You know, I'm out of there. You're out. Uh, I don't even need to wait for strike three. Um, but these ladies, they were searching for Jesus. They were going to see Jesus. And so when God shakes up your life, will you trust his word enough to keep looking for him, or are you just going to faint like those soldiers and give up? We can stand on the fact that we know Jesus is alive because his word is fulfilled. And then we can stand because we know that the grave is empty. There was evidence for the ladies to see that Jesus really wasn't there. And certainly it was enough for them and should be enough for us to take his word for it. That his word is enough to prove it. But God says, you know what, I'm going to show you too. I'm going to show you. Ladies, don't just take my word for it, the fact that Jesus is risen. Hey, come down and look. You're going to see that he's not there. There's evidence, too. The women could actually see what had changed from three days earlier. They saw it, literally, go from Jesus being in that tomb and dead to now he's not there and he is alive. God's word is enough for us to trust, but that's not the only thing we have to rely on to confirm our faith. That's not the only thing that we can stand, use to, to confirm the fact that we can stand on the fact that Jesus is alive. There's evidence. There's answered prayer. Uh, there's changed lives. There are everyday blessings. And the Bible encourages us to look and to see that God is good, that He is working. Or taste and see that the Lord is good. Come behold the works of the Lord. Come and see the works of God. He said that to John. We talked about John the Baptist. Matthew eleven four. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and show John again these things which you do see and hear. He said, John, you can stand... 
Uh, you can stand on your faith. The fact that, that I'm alive because of what you see in here, the evidence. So listen, we don't have time to finish. I've got some other things and we're going to close this up. Why is the resurrection so important? Why is the resurrection so important? Listen, the, the cross is the first, I think I have these, the cross was the first victory over sin. Jesus' death and blood was required to pay for sins, to be the propitiation, to be the redemption, to be the payment for sins. But if Jesus only dies, that's only half the battle. The resurrection was the full victory over sin. Because if Jesus only dies and is buried, he's like you and I. Jesus has to rise to prove that he has power. It, Jesus cannot deliver us from death if he is conquered by it. But Jesus has the keys over death and the grave, as the Bible says. And so we need to make sure that we remember that the resurrection is absolutely important. The resurrection is the linchpin of the gospel. Without it, there is no hope. And I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 15, the rest of that, because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I have no hope. There is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that he is alive is evidence that he had the power to die on that cross and pay for our sins. That's evidence. If you don't have the resurrection, then the cross doesn't mean anything. If you don't have the cross, then the resurrection doesn't mean anything. And they're, they're all so important, and we need to stand on all of them. So let me encourage you. On this parting note, the last two weeks have been so good. Stand on your faith. Build up your faith. Be confident. was buried, and he's alive today. And let that lead you through the rest of your life.